Welcome back to Round Guy Radio, and we have a really exciting episode today. We have a couple excellent guests from the National Czech and Slovak Museum in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Ladies, can you introduce yourselves? Yes, good morning and good day to everyone. I'm Cecilia Rakusek, the president and CEO of the National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library. And I'm Stephanie Cohn. I'm the curator at the Czech and Slovak Museum and Library. Well, before we get into the interview, I want to let everybody know what the social media sites are, what the websites are. So, you know, if they want to go to the website and look around while we're talking about the interview, that that uh, they can do that. Sure, it's www.ncsml.org. So it's www.ncsml.org, National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library.org, ncsml.org. Well, uh, what's exciting about the exhibit? Why should people come, why should they come and see your museum? What are they going to see when they get there? Well, I'm going to introduce, uh, you know, Stephanie's already introduced herself. I'm going to, as the president CEO, give you a sort of a broad macro view. Uh, in 1992, through legislation of the U.S. Congress introduced by Senator Grassley, we became the only national Czech and Slovak Museum and Library in actually North America. In 2019, we became an affiliate of the Smithsonian. So that really shows the quality and excellence. We have five galleries. And all of the credit of our galleries uh, really goes to the person sitting across from me, Stephanie Cohen, who uh, has been the architect of, of the exhibits. We have one permanent exhibit and four rotating. So I'm going to turn things over to her right now to talk to you about some very, very exciting new exhibits that we have going on right now. Stephanie? Thanks. So uh, probably the most uh, interesting, I'd say, new exhibit that we have going on that people should rush down to see is gridiron champs and that opened on march 19th and it closes november 6th so you've got all summer to come down and see us and see this exhibit what's really exciting about this exhibit is it's all about um george hallis and the chicago bears so a little known fun fact is that george hallis is actually uh, a czech american his parents were both immigrants from what was then bohemia is now part of the czech republic so we were, we've always been kind of interested in doing an exhibit about him you know, based on his Czech heritage. We do try to keep our exhibits focused on Czech and Slovak topics, Czech and Slovak American topics, immigration. You know, we, we do have certain um, areas that we try to stay in. So he definitely fits in there being a Czech American. And it's a really interesting exhibit because he's, of course, legendary in the NFL and the, the founding of the Chicago Bears, the founding of the NFL. And um, we have a lot of really interesting artifacts that we borrowed from the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And also from the Chicago Bears Football Club, which is the official name of the Chicago Bears, in um, you know that we all know and love. Or I know and love them, so <laughs> I hope all of you are Bears fans too. But even if you're not a Bears fan, you're going to really enjoy it because it's all about the early days of of Hallis, um, his life. He's was a, a really talented athlete in Chicago, and he went to the University of Illinois, where he played uh, football baseball and basketball so people probably don't realize that but he actually in baseball was actually his favorite sport and after college he was actually um invited to join the new york yankees so he did um do a do a little stint with them but was unfortunately injured in a spring training game and it kind of ended his baseball career kind of bumped around and then 
uh, playing semi-professional football. And actually, there was a company that he worked at in um, Decatur, Illinois, the Staley Starch Works, where he was actually hired to form uh, sports teams and play on them because that was all part of the advertising back then. In, and this is the, the 1920s where the, the part of their advertising for the company was to have these company-sponsored teams that would play other company-sponsored teams around. So that's kind of where he got his, his start being a coach and a player. And things just kind of grew from there. And the exhibit kind of explores the early formation of the NFL. And we have a lot of uniforms and footballs and cleats. And we have video footage about some really great early players. And then it kind of ends with uh, the Chicago Bears, even after uh, George Hallis passed away in 1983 and the Chicago Bears went on to Super Bowl fame with Mike Ditka so we kind of end with that and there's a really interesting uh, segment with uh, NFL players with Czech and Slovak heritage because some people who didn't play for the Bears happened to have uh, Czech or Slovak heritage so we got some really interesting things from the Pro Football Hall of Fame like um, like things from um, Hugo Bezdek and uh, Chuck Bagnarek, um, Mike Rabel, the uh, Titans coach, he's of, of Czechoslovak heritage, so we have a, a sweatshirt of his that he wore, you know, sideline. Um, my favorite artifact in the exhibit is probably, with probably two, it's the um, uh, sideline jacket and fedora that we actually have pictures of George Hallis wearing, and so they were um, the Chicago Bears organization actually lent that to us, so we're really happy to have that. Really honored that they trusted us with their with their artifacts. So it's really a different exhibit than what we normally do here. We try to have a variety of topics, and this is our I think this is about our first one really going into a sporting topic, real specific. So it's it's really it's a really fun exhibit. So I hope people will come out and see it. Well, sports was, is, a, is a big part of America, really, and a big, huge part of the Midwest, and the Bears are a big part of Midwest, and I, I'm sure it's a popular uh, popular uh, exhibit, and it was actually an ad for that that got me thinking about doing an interview with you, so uh, it sure, uh, it's probably serving its purpose. Has a lot of people come to see it? Yes, yes, and I, I see people that uh, I don't normally see in the museum. I've seen, I've seen a, a couple of groups of of uh, older gentlemen coming in, and, and our normal museum visitor is more like a, more likely to be a, a more older woman, or groups of women, or school children. But it's very interesting to see some, you know, guy friends come in to check out the exhibit. So that that is really interesting. Well, you know, I mean, what's so exciting about it for me, Stephanie, and Dave, is the fact that it really highlights the role that immigrants uh, had when they came to the United States, and in, in particular, uh, Czech in this case, and other Slovaks in other cases. Uh, but you also have an, a wonderful exhibit, Stephanie, of uh, Czech and Slovak athletes from the Olympics. Yes, we do have an, an exhibit called Amazing Athletes, which is highlighting Czech and Slovak athletes. And so we have uh, people that Americans might have heard of, like Martina Navratilova, this, you know, famous tennis player. She defected from Czechoslovakia during communist times and is now an American citizen, but a great tennis champion. And we have um, Dominic um, Hasek, I think is how to pronounce his name, the Hasek player. And there's some other uh, athletes. That, oh, and um, um, uh, Esther Let. Esther Lechkova, um, and she was a, a downhill skier and snowboarder in a recent Olympics. So there's there's athletes that people probably will have heard of, and then maybe some that they haven't. They're um, Czech and Slovak Olympic uh, gold medalists or athletes. A really interesting one is um, 
Vera Chaswaska is a gymnast from the 1968 Olympics. And shortly before the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, the Soviet tanks rolled into Czechoslovakia and crushed what was the Prague Spring. So there had been an uprising against the restrictions of communism where people wanted more freedoms and they had been granted more freedoms by the Czechoslovak government, but the Soviets didn't like that. So they came in with the tanks and then so Vera was, um, she had signed a document that uh, called 2000 words that was critical of the communist government. So she had to go into exile after that. And it wasn't clear whether she would be allowed to go to the Olympics, but they eventually did allow her to go because she was a champion. She had won medals at the previous Olympics. So when she went, she was great and she won a gold medal and the the ABC camera crews noticed that during the medal ceremony, she seemed to be refusing to look at the Soviet flag because you know how in the Olympics they raised all three flags of of the, the three medalists. And so they made sure to film her, her next Olympic medal and the next one was really dramatic because she won the gold medal in the floor exercise outright, but then during the commercial break, the judges changed the score of the Soviet girl so that she also won. So they tied. So then the Czech flag and the, and the Soviet flag were brought up together, and Vera definitely refused to look at it. She turned her face away. It was a very quiet protest. That's the same Olympics where we had the Black Power protest by the American athletes who raised their hands. So it was a very... Uh, a lot of protests going on in 1968. So Vera was severely punished when she came back to Czechoslovakia, pretty much kicked out of gymnastics and uh, not allowed to coach, not allowed to travel anymore. So this is like, uh, it, it, even though you think it's just sports, sometimes there's always something political going on behind it. And we were seeing that today as well, you know, with what happened with the Russian athletes earlier this year, not, not being invited to participate in some competitions. So it's, um, you know, sometimes sometimes there's more going on under the surface than you might think. But she was a great champion, so she's she's one of my favorites. But it's it's also a really good exhibit about sports going on. So two two sports exhibits. Yeah, I'm so glad uh, Stephanie and and Dave that, that Stephanie brought this out about Vera because uh, she would have been turning 80 now in April, and I know there's a new documentary about her. And what you highlighted, I really am grateful for Stephanie because you know in '68 that's very reminiscent of what happened. Um, is what is happening now with the Soviet in or really the Russian invasion? I'm sorry, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's very very similar to what happened in '68. And Vera is truly admired for that. Where they're celebrating in New York this week her birthday because she would have been 80. So that that's really great. So thanks for bringing that up. So tell us, Stephanie. I know you have, and I'm sure Dave's going to be interested in the other exhibits that you have. Well, we have a, another totally different exhibit for us across the hall from George Hallis, and it's called Czech Innovation Expo, and that is something that was created by the Czech Center in Prague, and it's all about uh, Czech um, scientists and innovation and invention, and what's interesting is that it uses augmented reality, so when you walk into the exhibit, there's a, there's a lot of black uh, partial images on the walls. They're symbols, and they don't really make much sense to you because they're not all there. It's like pieces of sim of of a of a picture. And then when you download an app on your smartphone or use one of our iPads that we can loan you in the gallery, all of a sudden, as you point your device on these symbols on the wall, they they become animated and come to life and like explain to you what this innovation is. For instance, a Czech. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but a Czech. Um, invented soft contact lenses, or there's um, scientific breakthroughs in uh, fertility treatments or in face transplants, or there's something about industry where we have um, about the Yawa motorcycle, which is a really beloved um, 
Czech company from the 20th century. And actually, in honor of that symbol of the Yawa motorcycle, we put our own Yawa motorcycles on display. So there's actually two of our motorcycles on display in the gallery, too, just as a little bonus. But it's a really interesting exhibit, and people are just amazed that you just simply point the device at, at these images, and then it all just comes to life. So it's another very different different times going on for us right now with between sports and this innovation it's just a it's a different audience that we're looking at right now so it's, it's been really exciting to see the people enjoy that exhibit too and that's um that's closing on june 26 that one well uh the the czech and slavic museum has gone through uh some real challenges from its beginning i went there pre-flood one time and and so it really kind of fell in love with the place then I came back one time after the flood, and the and uh, the building was on stilts. It seemed like, and it had to be moved. And uh, I really haven't been back since. Uh, where did the building come to rest? And uh, maybe it was there some improvements made uh, during the during the time you had to lift the building up and reset it back down. Well, actually, when they did that uh, in, in 2008, of course, we have a disastrous flood in which uh, the water was at least nine feet, Stephanie, or more. No, eight, eight or nine feet it, in yeah. the building. It yeah. was in the building. So when you look at pictures, you just see the water, the whole entrance is covered. And it was uh, face, uh, it was facing the street, but it was on the river bank of the Cedar River. And so what they actually did when we talk about stilts is they lifted the building up, totally turned it around moved it across the street on very high, on very much higher ground and actually almost double the size. So one could say as a result of the disaster, the museum became stronger and bigger and more secure in terms of on higher ground. And now the city is building a flood wall. So hopefully we will not have any more major floods. Stephanie, you were here during that crisis. Maybe you can share a little bit because you were a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a hero, but we, yeah, I definitely was here. Um, and it was uh, horrible and devastating, and um, it's it's one of those things that when you there's a certain smell from the flood. If I if I smell that again, it brings it all back. So it's really um, was a terrible time for Cedar Rapids, but luckily the museum was able to survive. The move was was great for us. We're on top of a of a parking garage now, so we have uh, underground indoor parking, totally free for people. So that's really nice. Um, and then the exhibit space, uh, as Cecilia said. It, pretty much doubled we have we used to have a permanent exhibition gallery and then one temporary and now we have still a permanent exhibition gallery that's twice the size of the original one and we have four other exhibit spaces where we can change exhibits so we're changing those exhibits two or three times a year in all those galleries so there's you know there's always something new new going on and um you know we hope people will you know visit us more than more than once in a year because you know there's going to be great exhibits in the spring and in the fall and and then our permanent exhibit, which is about uh, freedom and identity and the Czechoslovak journey, has a lot of really fascinating stories and artifacts in it as well. We're just trying to share share our stories and share our artifacts. Um, and this new building has just been great for us in that sense that we have a lot of space now to to have exhibits like the George Hallis exhibit or the Czech Innovation Expo. You know, we just have so much more space now that we can really think about some really cool exhibits to show. And we're a real teaching institution, so if students come through on a normal non-pandemic year, we'll have four or 5,000 students, and we're already seeing now as many as 300 a week coming uh, in, you know, post-pandemic. And so that's, that's really exciting for us. 
and uh, one of the great education exhibits we have is in our library, which is a really excellent research library and, and reading facility for people interested in Czech and Slovak culture, ancestry. Our head librarian, Dave Molina, does a good job of connecting people uh, to their genealogy and genealogical resources. But we have an exhibit on Comenius, who is the father of modern education, who was Czech. He was from Arabia. And people don't realize that in the 1600s, Comenius envisioned preschool education. He envisioned education for all men and women. He envisioned a university degree-based higher education. So he was really a great visionary uh, in terms of modern day education. He is really the father of education today. And so that's in, in the library gallery. And I, you know, Stephanie touched upon it, but Stephanie, uh, you know, you, the great freedom um, exhibit, um, Hall of Freedom, that uh, it's called Faces of Freedom to be exact, is really a great testament to the immigration story. And we want people, even if you're not Czech and Slovak, the stories are similar. So when you walk into the Faces of Freedom, you hear stories of immigrants, but it could apply to Germans, it could apply to Italians, it could apply to Irish, it could apply to Norwegians. To, and we all have an immigration story, and we are all coming to a new land for freedom and democracy. And uh, Stephanie and her team did a really great job when you saw that in 2012. When did it premiere? It opened in 2013. I mean, uh, 2013, okay. And it's really, it, I've had Czechs and Slovaks and other um, uh, Europeans especially come through and say, wow, this is my story. This is how my grandparents came over. This is how my great grand." And we have a, a replica of a ship and we have a, a Tatra car in there, which was a, a very popular car in, in um, what was the, the form of Czechoslovakia. So we, uh, the Faces of Freedom is really um, a tribute to uh, the search for freedom and democracy in a new land. So that's that's really great. Well, my grandmother's family was Norwegian and they settled in Huxley, Iowa. And there was a lot of, you know, she spoke Norwegian and there was a lot of old type country style shops and things there. Now, uh, a lot of Czech and Slovak people settled in Cedar Rapids. What was it about Cedar Rapids that uh, that's that was a good settlement spot for those people? Well, you know, it's so funny that you would ask that, Dave, because uh, when I talk around, speak around the country, the first question I always get asked, why is the museum and library in Cedar Rapids? Now, with a very straight face, I say because it is absolutely the most perfect place for it be, to be, and it is the only right place, and people kind of are stunned. But uh, two things that were really happening. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, the state of Iowa spent $20,000 to advertise for immigrants to come from Central Europe to Iowa in particular in this area because of jobs, Homestead Act land, and opportunity um, to really uh, be in a new land. And in 1914, Cedar Rapids had, according to the Gazette, our newspaper, 29% of the population was Czech. And meaning that they came from the Bohemian Moravian area. And there's a great article in the Gazette that Dave Molina found for me. It says that for Czechs in America, Cedar Rapids is the Athens of America because it has a literary society, it has a choral group, it has a library, it has cultural meetings, it has a, a many fraternal groups where people can get together, and it, it, is, it is intellectually stimulating. It is better than, and I love this, Cleveland, New York, or Chicago for Czechs arriving in America. 
So there's a still a Czech and Slavic tradition there. What kind of uh, uh, businesses uh, could you see down there at the Czech village? Well, we have Czech village, which is, you know, traditionally was the sort of epicenter for Czechs. They used to have a meat market. They would have a grocery store. They had a carpet center. They had a restaurant. They still have a bakery. There's still a bakery downtown, Sinclair's Bakery, which is the original building. Uh, but it was really the typical small town. A bank was down there. Uh, what else? There was There's a car dealer. There was a branch of the library. So people didn't have to go downtown back in, back in the day, as they say, of, of Czech Village. Um, they could get everything they needed on 16th Avenue. They didn't have to go into downtown Cedar Rapids for shopping or doctors, dentists, lawyers. They all had offices down here, and most of them had their signs in both Czech and English, and a lot of them were bilingual. So it was a really uh, – it, it was a good place to come if you were, you know, newly arrived to, to this country because you could feel at home and, and find fellowship with people. And it was, you know, and, and, uh, as you talk to some of the – of, you know, descendants of those early settlers, they will say that, you know, on Saturdays, you all went to the Czech Village area to do your grocery shopping, to see your friends. And today, I think after the flood, there's been a resurrection of, of Czech Village. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have some of the things we wish, like a Czech restaurant or uh, some of the, the meat market that we used to have. But there's a real resurrection of new lively businesses, more contemporary uh, businesses that are really connecting to their Czechoslovak roots. Uh, but uh, Czech Cottage is still there, which is a store that uh, has some uh, very nice Czech crystal and, and Czech items. Um, but in terms of the what we would call the former epicenter for everything you needed, it's probably now more of a, a shopping district to walk and to enjoy some great pubs um, and uh, to have some good food. Uh, but the traditional that we had probably 80, 100 years ago is a little too and then we cross the bridge, the Bridge of Lions, and we go into Newball. So I always say to people that um, you have, like in the Czech Republic, we have Novi Namiesti, which is Newtown, and Sunny Namiesti, which means Old Town. So we kind of Czech Village is like the Old Town, and Newball is like the Newtown, another contemporary place to go shopping, but still trying to keep some of the traditions by calling it New Bohemia, and certainly Czech Village trying to hold to their traditions. Well, tell me some, something, uh, some of the bigger exhibits, some of the, the real half two C's when you get to the museum. Some more exhibits? Yeah, well, um, we're going to have, uh, after this uh, George Hallis exhibit closes and the Czech Innovation closes, we're going to have a really great exhibit from the Smithsonian Traveling Exhibit Service, and it's called Writing a Wrong, Japanese Americans in World War II. So it's a really interesting exhibit that the Smithsonian put together, and it's traveling all around the country, and we're very honored that we're allowed to have it. And it's about the um, Japanese Americans who were put into those internment camps after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So that was kind of a strange um, and dark time for the whole world. Of course, World War II was awful, but that in our own country, uh, American citizens, because they are of Japanese heritage, were put into camps in our own country. And I don't know if a lot of people know that um, or don't remember it from history class. So this exhibit is all about that time period. And... So that, that's just kind of a, a great opportunity to, to learn more about that and to find out kind of what, what happened since. We're really happy to have that exhibit coming, and that will go until July 23rd to October 2nd. So that's pretty much the whole summer into the fall. And then um, 
and then what we're going to have after that, uh, we're hoping to have an exhibit at the end of the year about Mardi Gras and carnival traditions. So we're working with the museums in the Czech Republic and Slovakia and in Mississippi, Alabama, um, Louisiana to kind of compare and contrast the carnival tradition of the Czech and Slovak republics with the American Mardi Gras. Because we had uh, discovered that the original beads that they were using in New Orleans and down south for Mardi Gras were actually Czech glass beads. So it's such, such an interesting, um, you know, it's like it's so interesting to find out where the Czech beads have been. And that's one of the places. But we also have the Czech and Slovaks have a really interesting carnival tradition that's a lot. Um, there's some similarities to what we do in America with Mardi Gras, but there's some big differences too. So that exhibit is going to be really exciting at the end of the year. I see and you I have a. Uh, you really, you're bringing out something, Stephanie, that we've never ever had, and that really is kind of a whole new awareness to the U.S. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I see you have a piano recital and some coffees and some different exhibits like that. Uh, could you expand on some of that? All right, sure, Dave. Thank you. That so. In our what we call sort of the foundation of the museum is certainly the exhibits, number one, that Stephanie heads up with her teammate, uh, Trisha. And then uh, we have the library, which Dave uh, Molina um, and Leroy Bradway head up. And then we have the third arm of that is called innovation and outreach. And that's really our program for educational outreach. So what we try to do is on a monthly and many times during the month, we have special uh, musical programs and also lecture series. For example, this month, we had two lecture programs, uh, one on Czechs in the Midwest, and then we have one coming up next week on uh, music and, uh, in particular, albums, old Czech albums. And uh, those are all held in the library. And if you're on our website, you can see the times and dates. And we're also recording everything so that people can access this later on on a new and upcoming TV channel that the museum, uh, maybe at another time we can talk about, Dave, will be opening up later this year. So uh, we have a, a music program uh, this uh, coming um, Wednesday, which will be on uh, May uh, 4th. And we are very, very excited. This is the second opera singer that we've had. And um, uh, her name is Christina Kutskova, and she is from Prague, and she is now performing in Carnegie Hall. So uh, to give you the scope of, of her performance, uh, she's performing at two spots now in the Amer in the United States, Carnegie Hall and the National Czech and Slovak <laughs> Museum and Library. And uh, she's going to be doing some Dvorak. She's going to be doing some lighthearted opera. We also have an opera singer here in De uh, December uh, from, uh, she had uh, been performing in Prague also, Esther Pablo, who she's now performing at the Prague Opera House in, in, she, in the lead role of Carmen. She was here in December. We had a packed house and uh, people just raved and wanted more of this because it's so nice to have light opera and to introduce um, our people here in the region uh, with um, uh, some real Czech and Slovak artists that are performing in New York to bring them to the National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library. So on Wednesday, May 4th at 7 o'clock. We invite you all to check us out on, on the web, but also to give us a call if you need more information. And we would love to have you um, join us. Uh, so those are the music concerts. Then we have several coming up this fall and winter as well. 
And um, the key is to always look, uh, two things, is to always look on our website and then to also look at, at becoming a member. Our membership uh, has so many incredible benefits. We publish two um, very, very good journal-type magazines a year, two uh, excellent newsletters a year, and then as a member, you get uh, insights early on into upcoming exhibits and up to, uh, upcoming activities. So we encourage people uh, to join because I think that really allows you uh, to get some first-class, not only uh, insights into what we're doing, but also into our programs. We have a national Czech and Slovak cooking school, uh, and our cooking school offers courses throughout the year. Uh, and these are two to three hour courses in which you actually in your home are making along with the chef the item. So the product you get to show to everybody else uh, using Zoom. And uh, the cooking school is, is virtual, so you don't have to come to the museum to attend. Right, you, right. You're at home. Ladies, I hate to break in there, but uh, uh, as always happens when we talk about museums in Iowa, they have just so many layers. There's so much to talk about. I can't uh, fit it all in 30 minutes. Can I get you to stay on for another segment, please? Sure, we'd be happy to. Well, we have been fascinated to talk to the curator and the director of this fantastic museum with a tremendous heritage in, in Iowa, and we will be back for another segment coming right up. Welcome back to part two of our uh, Czech and Slovak Museum uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa discussion. Uh, we're, all, we're back with the curator and the director. Uh, ladies, reintroduce yourselves again, please. Yes, hello everyone. I'm Cecilia Rakusek, the President and CEO of the National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library. And Stephanie Cohen, I'm the curator. So uh, you have had some uh, very special guests, uh, very people of noteworthy that have come and seen your museum. Could you tell our listeners about that? Well, sure. I'll start out. Stephanie will take over. Um, I think probably the most important was in 1995 when the new building, when it was across the street yet before the flood, in 1995, when Presidents Clinton, Pavel of the Czech Republic, and Kovac of the Slovak Republic, so three setting presidents, which is unprecedented unprecedented Iowa history, uh, to have three setting presidents come to dedicate a national museum here in Iowa. So that was historic, and to this day, and we just celebrated two years late, although uh, last year, the 25th anniversary, uh, two years delayed of that historic moment and unprecedented time when three presidents came uh, to visit Cedar Rapids and dedicate this national iconic museum. And then Steph's been here, so she's gotten to know a lot of important people. Well, one of our one of our favorites um, Czech, Czech Americans uh, was um, Madeline Albright, who, as, as you know, had passed away earlier this year. But um, she was a great friend to the museum. She was born in, in Prague and... Um, had a really interesting life traveling, traveling to various countries with her diplomat parents and settling eventually in the United States. So we were uh, fortunate enough to have her Read My Pins exhibit here. I think it was 2013. It's hard to remember, but 20, 2013 maybe was when we, we had Read My Pins. So this is her collection of her, all her iconic pins. She became known for wearing these big, bold pins on her blazers or on her dresses and she was uh it became known that she actually was choosing the pins on purpose to send messages to the people that she was interacting with as a diplomat so it was a really interesting exhibit that was put together by the museum um, museum of art and design in new york i believe was the original uh 
author of this exhibit and then it traveled around so we were really happy to have that it was one of our most popular exhibits there's certain exhibits we have that the attendance just goes through the roof more so than a, a previous year for instance and that was one of them that we've always looked to is like we had a phenomenal attendance to see her pins and she actually came and uh, it was on mother's day i remember and we had a mother's day brunch and um and uh, I believe she spoke then, or maybe it was during Hobie Days. It was in May that she came. We have Hobie Days in Czech Village, and she was here for that. She was here for the Hobie Days and gave a program, and we had a meal with her. And she actually bought pins in our museum store, which was fun. But she actually bought some of the pins that our store director had purchased because of this exhibit. Because sometimes people are interested, if there's something on exhibit, they're interested in something similar in a museum store. So she had purchased a bunch of interesting pins for people to maybe buy a pin for themselves or buy Madeline Albright's book. So it was really um, a wonderful exhibition and um, a really cherished artifact that we have in our collection is Madeline Albright's childhood Croy. A Croy is a folk dress that uh, really varies from region to region all over the Czech and Slovak lands, but her specific folk dress, she was supposed to wear that to represent Czechoslovakia because her father was the ambassador to Yugoslavia. So she had to wear that at uh, like functions at the embassy where they lived and hand out flowers. So that was kind of her early job as a diplomat with her father and mother in the embassy. So they actually, uh, she actually did give us many years ago her childhood folk dress, which we just cherish. And it is on display right now, kind of um, in honor of her memory since she did pass away. And it, so it's on display right now in our grand hall so people can come, come and see it. We've had it on display before. We do really enjoy putting it out for, for people to see. Well, you've done a really nice job, Stephanie, of making a little, when you come to our museum now, and as you enter, uh, Stephanie's put together a, this exhibit, a mini exhibit in tribute to Madeline, and there's a picture of her in the Croix, and then people can write down memories they have with her. So we invite people uh, to visit the exhibit and to write down any memories they have of her, because she was a very, very endearing and loving person. I remember for the first time meeting her, uh, she loved to talk Czech. She was very proud of her Czech heritage, and, and uh, thank you for putting that exhibit together, Stephanie. Um, I think the other people that we've had visit have been many artists that have come throughout the years, and, and um, although maybe we didn't get Dale Chihuly or Andy Warhol, their works have been on it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have had, and we've had many, many ambassadors uh, throughout the year, the current sitting uh, Slovak ambassador, Radovin uh, Yavorczyk, and certainly a Czech ambassador, Heinek Komenicek. Uh, they've both been here, and uh, the uh, Ambassadors always have a, a warm spot, and certainly the Council General uh, of the Czech Republic from Chicago, Jaroslav Kantorek, has been here many times. And um, so we try to make this an open, we open our hearts to these diplomatic um, uh, individuals because they understand that this is their Czech and Slovak home in America. So we're very happy. We have a very good working relationship with the Czech Center in New York that when they bring talent, uh, they often share that talent with us when they're performing in New York, then they perform in Cedar Rapids as well. So we're very proud of that. So I got a little two-part question. I'm just going to let you, let you roll. One, I saw on your website that you're affiliated with the Smithsonian Museum. And how far away do people come to see, uh, to see the exhibit? And give me an example of sometimes someone came in there and, and uh, was emotionally touched by the museum. 
Well, I think that may happen all the time, and, and I'll give my opinion, and then I think uh, Steph can uh, add to that. But in a normal non-COVID year, we may have people from every state in the union visiting us and several European countries. So, um, because, you know, we're on the, this big sign about us on the interstate. And so um, I think in being part of the Smithsonian and affiliated to the Smithsonian, there is a membership um, connection there. So if you're part of our uh, association, part of the um, uh, Smithsonian, then you may, it's not every, but we do, we do recognize that dual membership and uh, do allow people then to come and visit uh, in no charge if they're members uh, of the Smithsonian as well. And not all the Smithsonian affiliates do that, but we uh, have known people to come from across the country that said, you know, I'm a Smithsonian and I'm from Oklahoma and I read about, and they take a whole trip um, around the country just to go to Smithsonian affiliates. There are a little over 200 Smithsonian affiliate, affiliates currently in the United States. And then from Europe, uh, we'll touch the hearts of many, many uh, European um, uh, visitors, especially Czechs and Slovaks, that come uh, visiting and, and they're touched by what they see here and how we're remembering and cherishing their memories and their stories uh, in America. So uh, we see that. And then we'll have, um, especially I call them our mature population uh, that you know might come in, our older population that um, remembers that grandma or grandpa used to bake collages or grandma and grandpa used to do this at Christmas or uh, I remember my grandmother wearing her croix, her folkware, but I don't know what happened to it. And so you'll you'll get those endearing stories. I'm sure, Steph, you may have some to share as well. Well, I know that uh, in our permanent exhibition, Faces of Freedom, uh, Cecilia did mention that we have a replica of a steamship and we talk about, in that section, we talk about immigration and people coming over and that's something that's kind of universal to to, to nearly every immigrant population um in in the in the u.s that they would have come over on these ships and so there there was a there was a early on after the exhibit opened i remember there was a there was a woman in there and she was actually in tears over imagining her ancestors coming over on a ship so it really can be touching to people and as Cecilia said, they see see these memories. We've had um, it's always uh, nerve wracking to me when somebody who actually is from Czech or Slovak Republic goes through the exhibit because I'm always fearful that there's a mistake or something, you know. And and there was um, we have a, a young pioneer uniform on display in the communist era section. And the young pioneers is a they still have it in um, communist China. It's a youth organization which is um, where. The kids, the kids enjoy it because it's it's sort of like scouting and that there's camps and meetings, but it's also uh, unfortunately a way to indoctrinate communist ideals into youth. So um, this, so there is a certain uniform that the people wore, and it's um, got a red scarf, and it has to be tied a certain way. And I didn't know that way, so I had it on display wrong, and so we, and you know, unfortunately, or I mean, it's good good in the long run for the in the quest of knowledge that I was told that that was uh, not tied properly. So that's the kind of thing that you think, okay, you know, we're doing our best here, but we didn't actually live it. So we don't know it until people coming through who actually were in the Young Pioneers because it existed until communism fell in 1989. So there's definitely people alive today who were Young Pioneers, which is this communist youth organization. So we opened up the case and we um, actually at that time had a staff member who was um, Czech. A Czech American, and she had been in the Young Pioneers as, as a child, and so she tied it properly for me. So now it's right and it's perfect. So um, that's probably 
the worst mistake <laughs> that I found with a native Czech or Slovak coming through, at least that they've told me about. So um, they do seem to enjoy the exhibit. And in some ways, the things that we talk about in our exhibits and have on display aren't necessarily fashionable right now in Europe. So you're not necessarily going to see some of the topics about uh, Czech heritage or Czech culture that has to do with the folk dress and the folk art and textiles and things like that. You don't necessarily see that over in European museums because they, of course, have topics they want to talk about as well. So, you know, I think it's a chance sometimes to see this is what's important to Czech and Slovak Americans is this heritage of their of their ancestors that they brought over with them. Yeah, and I think what you did so well, uh, Stephanie, in the museum, and, and Dave, I think that's something to highlight, that there are really two sort of circles of what our museum through our mission and vision are trying to accomplish to you know to preserve that rich past which is in our folk where our, our textiles our beautiful stories and our traditions our food culture and, and so forth but then there's this more modern a sort of historical search for democracy and preservation of, of freedom and that we have to and that's a more of a historical perspective and a much more um one could say even almost academic but we we do really merge the truth so it's, when you come to visit the museum it's not only learning about what I would call the rich cultural aspects but it's also learning about more contemporary issues related to freedom and democracy it seems like a, a great place for a husband and wife to spend a day trip or something coming over there because you got the George Hallis stuff. It's going to make the guys really happy. And then you say it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a, but it, it, it's a, a museum that has been traditionally enjoyed by women. So let's talk about what women like. What, 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 what are the positive comments that you hear commonly from women about your museum? Slovak uh, tradition has really um, excelled in glass production, pottery production, and those those are uh, really high quality and are collected worldwide, Czech and Slovak glass and pottery. Still collected today and definitely in the past, and we have quite a bit of that in our collection. So um, that has sometimes, you know, we do indulge our, our uh, audience by having those kind of things on display as well. So we, we try to just have different things. So right now, yes, we have technology and we have sports kind of in our temporary galleries. But another time we might have glassware or we might really focus on folk art or beadwork or embroidery or something. So these all bring in different fans to the museum. And when I said it's a museum for women, what I meant was like a, a lot of museums, their typical museum visitor is kind of a... Uh, a woman in her 60s because that's maybe who has more time for culture because like busy young families they'll go to a zoo or they'll go to a children's museum because they need something for their kids to do so it's kind of that's why we try to get different audiences like with the sports exhibit will it attract younger people and maybe attract men or the technology exhibit will that definitely will college students be interested to come see that or 30 something so it's kind of always a quest to make sure that people don't think that, oh, there's nothing for me at that museum because all they have is, is a glass display or something. So that's why we're always trying to mix it up. And for the World War II, the Japanese internment World War II exhibit, there's World War II fans um, who just love that topic and the history of that time. So that's something for them to come and see. That um, So that's why what I mean when we're trying to think about different topics that are just be appealed to different people, because we definitely want to be seen as a museum for everybody and a museum that always has interesting and exciting exhibits and always something new. That's what we really would like, you know, for people to see in us. 
Yeah, I think you've done such a good job, Stephanie. We, I always say when I'm speaking that we're a museum for all people of all ages for all times, that by we preserve the past, we are celebrating the present, and then we're creating the future. So if you look at that, you know, preserving, celebrating, and creating, that we're just yeah. not a stagnant museum where we have artifacts or exhibits to show, yeah. But we really are, and you asked it earlier, Dave, with our programs, we try to get programs to complement uh, the uh, exhibits. Like in August, we're going to have a tailgate party to celebrate George Hollis. <laughs> and so we're going to invite people to come, and we're going to have a tailgate party. And so we want to make sure that we, um, uh, and we had a, earlier on in this month, we had a presentation on technology in the Czech Republic to highlight the technology exhibit. So we really tried, and we have the for the athletes exhibit. Uh, we have some of the medals that um, uh, Martina Volkova, she was Martina Morozova, won in um, the Olympics. We have them actually on display so people can see them. So um, uh, she was a swimmer, and we really want people to walk away from the museum with the idea that they've learned something new, either about the Czechs and Slovaks, and also about themselves and maybe their ancestry and maybe where they came from. Well, I volunteer to be the official podcast host of the uh, tailgate party. Well, we'd like that very And, you know, we, we are really looking at, as I mentioned earlier, about expanding, because we are a national museum and international, we're here first and foremost for the people of Cedar Rapids and Iowa and regionally, but we are a national and international museum as well. And one of the things that we really want to get across that virtually now with our footprint, with doing more virtual work, uh, we can, um, we're trying to video everything that we do so that our members who can't make it here will be able to access it uh, on an upcoming uh, TV channel that we're going to be launching. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Listen, we do a, a show on this on this uh, podcast called Day Tripping with Bob DeWitt. And Bob and his wife, they live in Galesburg, Illinois, and they take little day trips into Iowa or Missouri or Illinois, and he tells us about it. Tell let's tell Bob, you know, what's great about Cedar Rapids and the, the museums and the hotels and the Cedar Rapids colonels and the opportunities like that to come to Cedar Rapids. Well, I'm going to use, that's a great question because I'm new here. Stephanie's really a great um, fixture here. She's been here for uh, over 20 years and much of the credit of what this museum is today uh, goes to Stephanie and her team. Uh, but as a newcomer, having only been here three years, uh, moving from uh, Florida, uh, I can tell you that uh, when I was here the first few months, an old high school friend of mine from South Dakota, where I grew up, um, came to visit on a Friday, much to my surprise. She and her husband came and she said, we want to spend the entire weekend in Cedar Rapids. And we came to see you. We came to see the museum. And we want to spend the entire weekend here. Well, that resulted in a chain reaction where now we have visitors a lot that do that. And um, they come on a Friday or a Saturday. And they spend uh, the day, uh, half a day or a day with us. And then they spend a little bit of time in our other museums in town, uh, such as the Art Museum or Bruce Moore or the History Center. Uh, and then they um, spend time in Czech Village and Newbold. So they enjoy, especially if they do like some of the good Czech beers, uh, they'll have some beer and some good um, homemade beer that we make here in Cedar Rapids. And um, in Czech Village, we have uh, several places where you can enjoy good beers. Um, and uh, one in Lionsbridge where they make their own beer, the Hospoda, which is a, a Czech name for a, a, a beer, Hospoda bar, I should say bar. 
And so uh, that they can actually come and spend one night or two nights if they spend one night, spend a day with us, spend a day uh, in another museum, then in the night, spend it in Czech Village or Nouveau, and then have the second day uh, spending the shopping in the morning, going to Nouveau or Czech Village, and then leave. Or if they want two days, our hotels uh, are uh, great prices. And if they revolved it around an activity, say like a musical concert that we had here at the museum, they could spend one night with the, the adventure at the museum, second day shopping around the city, and then go home on the third day. Yeah, it, it, it's a Cedar Rapids is a terrific city, and it's the most affordable city in the world I've seen that was rated. Really? Well, not in the world, yeah, but in, in yeah, America, yeah. you know. Well, so. I do know that uh, it's a cost comparison because um, living in Florida over the spring break, friends of mine said that they were trying to rent a hotel, and the cheapest hotel that they could find in Fort Lauderdale was $600. Oh this my was God. the peak of spring break. And I can guarantee you that you could probably spend several days here in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Minnesota Twins have a baseball team there, and uh, there's the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders, uh, put a lot of players in yeah. the NFL there. Uh, there. There's just a lot to do. Uh, there's there's all the shopping, all the restaurants, all the, the hotels and everything that you need to have a great time. So ladies, this has yeah, been a, no, uh, I said, this has been a great conversation. What, what haven't, what is it we missed talking about, about your museum? Just give us a, one last plug for the museum and the, and the why we need to get there. Well, I, we never told you, uh, we're, um, in the historic Czech village in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, our actual address is 1400 Inspiration Place Southwest, but that might not mean anything to you. It's, you can't miss us. We're a big iconic building, um, sitting up high now away from the river. We're open 9.30 to 4, Monday through Saturday, and then noon to 4 on Sunday. So we're open every day of the week except for a few obvious holidays like Christmas or Thanksgiving. We're not open. And um, we're actually very reasonable admission. It's uh, $10 for adults, and then there are discounts based on age or uh, veteran status. And, um, I mean, I was just traveling around recently and uh, really surprised when you go to some other communities and you're paying $28 admission to get into a museum. So I think $10 is a pretty, pretty good deal. And, and as Cecilia said, if you become a member, then uh, admission is free for our members and they get invited to a lot of programs. So just if you're just coming for the day, um, then we're really uh, open every, every day. We have free underground parking and then you can um, really, really enjoy the changing exhibits and the grounds can be very pretty once the flood wall is built. Right now, we're kind of under construction outside, but it, it, uh, we have a terrace overlooking the river, and right now it's overlooking some construction. But um, I think you would really find it find it enjoyable. And I would just add to that, Stephanie did a great job. Uh, but three things that we did not mention. One is that we have a great museum store. And our museum store was the national store of the year in 2020 for museums all across the country. And we really focus on unique Czech and Slovak items that you won't find anyplace else. And thematic ones that go with the exhibit. So, for example, now you can get a lot of bear stuff. A lot of bear, a little bit of bear stuff. They yeah. only got a little bit. You know, NFL is really jealous about their licensing. So, yeah, it's... Um, Yes, there are some bears items in there, yeah. And we have mushrooms because it's the Hobie Festival coming up in May in Cedar Rapids and, and Czech Village, and so we have some mushroom items. But the store is really, um, and if you're a member, you get a 10% discount all the time, So and you can do some online shopping. Great, great gifts there. And the other thing is if you do a bus tour here, 
we can arrange with our catering company and you can get a check meal along with your tour and collage. Uh, we always have fresh collages available uh, with that when you have a bus tour there. And then the other thing is that we have a bell tower, uh, a beautiful bell tower on our campus. And uh, soon to be within the next year and a half, we're going to install a glockenspiel, which will be uh, somewhat similar to the one they have in Prague called the Orloy. And that will be a real destination place. So stay tuned, watch our website. We had to postpone the installation a bit because of the flood wall and the derecho, which kind of uh, played a little havoc with our bell tower. But it will be uh, reopening and, and soon to be installing the glockenspiel. And um, so those are some highlights that I think are coming up. Well, when God's throwing weather around, he always throws a little at Cedar Rapids, I guess. But sure. uh, we, sure. we, we've talked about uh, why it's great for women, and we've talked about why it's great for men. Uh, what about kids? Uh, what what kind of, what, what, what do kids look forward to seeing when they're in there? Well, we have on the first Saturday of every month, it's called Free First Saturday for students or children, I think for students. So that's a day where... Um, the admission for, for children is free when they bring a parent with them. And um, sometimes we have uh, special uh, programming activities for kids, like uh, craft activities. Those are kind of special events that you'd have to look on our website to, to see what's going on. A lot of those were kind of curtailed because of the pandemic, uh, as far as having people gather to do, do activities. We just had a really successful egg decorating class with a master folk artist, Marge Natal, that was before Easter. And so people of all ages can sign up for those classes and learn how to decorate um, Easter eggs in, in, the, in the Czech manner. And then for Christmas, we always have an old world Christmas market the first weekend of December. And we have a lot of children's activities that are all free. So that's, and then of course, the children through the schools or at home schools, we're a great place for homeschool education. And two things I wanna highlight is that this year, uh, now, uh, sort of in a, at least a relaxed COVID period, the museum is sponsoring two trips to the Czech and Slovak Republics. Uh, the first one will be in September. It's called Castles and Wines, the Czech and Slovak Republic. And we're also going to spend two days in Hungary. And then in um, uh, December, we're doing uh, Christmas markets of the Czech and Slovak Republics, also stopping in Hungary as well. So we invite people to check out our website on those trips. They're very reasonably priced, all accommodations included. So uh, those are two good opportunities to experience Europe um, and uh, some of the Czech and Slovak culture actually in Europe. Well, come to Cedar Rapids. It's one of America's really great, unique towns with a unique history. Uh, I've never gone to Cedar Rapids and not have a good time. Uh, no matter, you know, there's all kinds of activities going on. Uh, you know, a person like me, I'm in Richland, Iowa, you know, kind of a rural community. And uh, we, we like the shopping and uh, all the things that are available to us up there. And uh, we're certainly happy to see the, the Czech and Slavic Museum. We just got a couple minutes left. Is there anything that uh, you guys, you, you ladies want to put out? Well, we've covered, we've covered just about everything I'd say. Just so we always have a, such a friendly, welcoming staff and volunteers. And we, we hear that a lot from visitors, like how wonderful the people they interact with is. Oh, and we didn't talk about our little, real quick, we do have a little, uh, what we call our little immigrant home. And that's a really popular exhibit. So it's an actual home that some Czech immigrants lived in. Um, over a hundred years ago and it's on our campus so it's a little historic house that you can take a tour of and a lot of people really enjoy that now we've been right, talking we for have, almost we do have a heritage 
we have a heritage garden now that we'll be planting this summer in which we uh, we then feed the community help to feed the community so it's a little garden that volunteers plant uh, and uh, we have a fruit tree garden area and we planted the fruit trees that our ancestors uh, plum trees peach trees apple trees that they would have planted to give people an idea of how our ancestors really depended on the earth for their sustenance well uh, let's one more time on the social media and websites and stuff. Uh, NCSML.com.org.org. Org. And it's for National C for Czech, Slovak, ASM Museum, L Library, NCSML.org. And Facebook and uh, Twitter and stuff like that? Yeah, we're on both. We're on both. So just in your Facebook, put National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library, and we'll come right up. And same thing on Twitter. Okay. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, I really appreciate your museum and all that you put into it. I always thought it was world-class uh, every time I've been there. Uh, I haven't been there for a while, but I, I certainly will come back. And uh, you can count on me being there for the tailgate party because that's right up my alley. <laughs> that sounds good. And our Brunots, our Brunots Festival is going to be the third weekend, uh, the third Friday of September always. And it's the largest one-day beer festival in the state of Iowa. Well, Round Eye Radio is uh, dedicated to talking about life, what's going on, and what's to do in Iowa. And this episode has been right up our alley. Allie, uh, thanks, ladies, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. This is Round Guy Radio with news you can use that don't give you the blues. And thanks for listening.